morning crypto. Good morning, warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto. Gonzo, also known as Super G, is in the building. And we got Andrew Cashflow, aka the Cashflow King, joining us. So I'm very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we will be discussing how a new day is coming for American crypto regulation. But now we're hearing how Charles Hoskinson is standing by his statements about XRP. We're also going to discuss how tens of millions of new gamers could be flooding into the blockchain gaming market, with one of the most powerful CEOs in the industry now stating that 2024 will be a catalyst for crypto growth. And with the largest financial firms on the planet in the process of turning digital, we break down the details, showing our community how this next bull run is shaping up to be the greatest opportunity of our era. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcasts, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, we got a bunch of exciting news today. And obviously, we're talking about Charles this morning, which is exciting. My take, I think it's going to be a little bit different than my take was on the phone last night. So be ready for that, my friend. But first of all, how are you feeling? Thanks for being here. Abs, I'm feeling great. And while, while Merlin was having a great day, apparently so were you. But anyway, good morning to all the Warrior Maniacs out there. I love you and appreciate you guys for showing up every single day. So great to be here with our brothers, Gonzo and Andrew. I can't wait to hop into it. Andrew Cashlow, it's an exciting morning, not only because of the news, but because we got some exciting Merlin updates as well. We'll save it for later on in the show, but Johnny knows what I'm talking about. First of all, how are you feeling, Mr. Cashflow? And thanks for being here. Hey, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, everybody here from a dark already Netherlands. It's 5, 5.14 p.m. here. But uh, yeah, it's always great to be in the show on Monday. Love you, uh, Gonzo, uh, uh, Epps, and Johnny. So uh, let's uh, look forward to a great show today. Absolutely, guys. we got a great show prepared. And Gonzo, you already saw it in the prep. We're going to bring some exciting information. But first of all, how are you feeling? Thanks for being here. I'm feeling good, man. It was a, a, a good weekend. Uh, I was on Grandpa Detail uh, on Sunday, uh, so uh, it was a it was a fun day. Uh, and then got to do some research and stuff like that. But um, somebody was asking about the ledger thing. Uh, yeah, basically the fix is out there. It had nothing to do with the actual ledger. It had to do with kind of like a, the connection point where ledger connects into other DApps. But really, like Mario brought this up in our community, you shouldn't be using your ledger to connect into other dApps. It should be kind of like a secure thing that's isolated. But, you know, like sometimes people use their ledger to connect into other platforms or other like uh, like dApps, right? And so um, that was the problem. It was the connection point that had been written with the drain code, but they've already pushed it out. They've already pushed out the fix. That was like last week. Yeah, we covered it Thursday and Friday, guys. And I want to give a shout out to Cashflow. He did a great analysis Thursday at the end of the episode. It is timestamp. So if you're looking for an in-depth analysis, go check it out. And we already got 282 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And we're going to start this thing off the same way we always do by checking out the Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That is at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. Go smash that follow button for updates all throughout the day, especially on the weekend. I'm putting updates maybe five, six times out every single day. When we check out some of the daily movers this morning, Johnny, it is red across the board. One green bubble here, but for the rest of the market, down about 6%. When we check out our Merlin market update this morning, we are sitting at $1.55 in total market cap. Bitcoin is 
or sorry, Bitcoin is 52% dominance. Ethereum is about 17%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 41,300. Ethereum is 2,100. We've got um, XRP is sitting at 60 cents and Cardano trading at 57 cents this morning. And Johnny, this was a pretty, pretty big update we got this weekend out of Eleanor Tourette talking about the state of American regulation today. And we're going to talk about the Charles News. we got some JP Morgan information as well. But as I'm looking at the market today, this information is becoming more and more important. An update on Friday, the SEC has denied Coinbase's petition for the agency to create transparent rules for the road of crypto. The SEC is standing firm on its belief that existing laws and regulations already apply to the crypto securities market. First of all, the nuance right there, crypto securities, we can debate that in and of itself, but we know uncertainty gives the SEC power. Not having rules means you can pull anybody over for any reason you want on the road. Floor is yours, Johnny, before we dive into our articles. Well, this basically says one thing. There's nothing left but for Congress Congress to act, right? So the SEC is not going to change their stance. Things are going to remain the same, which means they're going to come after everybody. So until, been saying it forever on the show, until Congress defines some laws around this clarity of this new space, it's going to be the same old hemming and hawing and rah rah, and the SEC continuing to go after and pick winners and losers. There she is, and they're going to continue to go after the SEC. Is going to anyway continue to go after and, and as long as the SEC, if the SEC wants to crush crypto, they'll they'll continue to just say if it's a security and keep coming after everything. So you'd better just hope at the end of the day that Congress, you know, I know there's a bunch of bills kind of floating around, but we've been saying that for three and a half freaking years that these bills are floating around. I mean, I'm getting tired of floating. It's time to sign a couple of these damn things and let's get the ball rolling. Otherwise, it's going to be the same old thing, the SEC getting to just pretty much push their will on on the people. Johnny, and I think what really catches my attention is just this weekend, 20% of the U.S. Senate has already decided to support Elizabeth Warren's proposed bill to crack down on crypto and Bitcoin. This is from John Deaton. And Guys, they changed the setting in StreamYards. This is a little bit random, but now that number in the top left corner doesn't stop changing throughout the whole show. We used to get an update on the live viewers every couple of seconds. Now it's very, very distracting. So I just wanted to let you know that, Johnny. I don't know if you noticed that. But Gonzo, on a more serious note, we're listening to articles like Elizabeth Warren come out and put a negative, nefarious picture painted around crypto. I think articles like these are a little bit misleading because 20%, although it may sound like a big number, is very far from what's necessary to get anything passed. So before we get into our topics for today, what are your thoughts on Elizabeth Warren not only leading the anti-crypto army, but getting 20% of the U.S. Senate to support her bill? I think she's just going to keep doing her talking head thing. Um, I, I'm going off the top of my memory, but out of like all the bills that she's ever written going back the entire career, I want to say it's somewhere in the 300, like, uh, like 300 and something, right? She's gotten zero passed. Zero. Eleven, that she three hundred and five. She, she's got three hundred and five that she's sponsored or been on, and only eleven where her name might have actually turned to to bills. Uh, like, what about ones that she like authored? Right? Yeah, I think the number yeah. is like three or think, zero. It's one of the. It could be. It's like zero, right? There might be one. There, the different statistics, but like, so she's going to keep pushing her narrative. Um, like you said, they're they're running out of time, right? They're running out of time. We have an election next year. Uh, and so, you know, big narratives going into next year is like, are, are we going to get a recession or not? The spot ETF, is it going to get approved? We know it is. But is it going to approved in January or March? The Fed cutting rates, right? That's another big kind of narrative going into next year. 
along with the election. So um, they're, they're kind of running out of time to keep pushing the same narrative. It's undeniable, Andrew. And one, one thing is very clear. They can't convince us crypto doesn't matter anymore because we've got Larry Fink, Jamie Dimon, some of the biggest players in the world, not only advocating for this technology, using it themselves and offering it to their clients. So five, 10 years ago, somebody like Elizabeth Warren used to say crypto is only used for laundering money and everybody would believe it. There wasn't enough common knowledge. There wasn't enough public knowledge for people to really understand that that's just an outright false statement. And I think our show did a great job of calling out those false statements last week, Johnny, when she dropped some statistic that right now crypto funds 80% of North Korea's nuclear program we called her out and other members did, couldn't verify the stat. So where does it come from? We don't know and nobody holds her accountable. But don't let me get sidetracked here, Andrew. Let's stay on the topic. As somebody outside the United States, how do you view the state of American crypto regulation today? It's, you know, I, I've said it many, many times. It's so weird. Here, I live in Europe. We already have regulation now since, I think, six months. And you see yeah, com companies starting and developing crypto. Uh, I also am currently here in an NFT project with uh, with uh, uh, Litauen, where where we where we work together with an app where they can buy uh, buy and sell NFTs in the app, and you know you just see there is clarity and innovation is starting. It's, it's just a small project, but innovation is starting, and it, it's so weird. But um, what what I know for sure is this is a technology trend. It cannot be stopped. It can only be slowed down. And for everything that they try to, to hinder and to put thresholds on, engineering and, and smart people will find a way around it. And if it is not in the US, it will be outside the US. So US better scratch their head and say, you know, guys, do we jump on the train or do we are we leaving behind? And uh, I think that's... Uh, do, do we have to wait till November next year, till next elections? Is, is that maybe the roadmap before uh, clarity will come? Maybe. Time will tell. You know, at the end of the day, it's this is a battle of money on both sides. And one side's going to win. you got a pro and an anti-faction in Congress and two groups, right, pushing and money's going on both sides. Um, but the problem is, as I've talked about, we are educating people here on this show. But we're not CNN, we're not Fox, right? And people are hearing Elizabeth Warren and J.P. Diamond saying that this thing is fun, you know, funding uh, terrorism and all that stuff. And therein lies the problem because the bulk of people are hearing that. And when you hear that narrative, as we say all the time, tell narrative long enough becomes the truth. And the reality is as we debunk the abs, there's nobody going on TV and debunking and giving the other side of the story. So you just have the general you know, masses of people hearing that this thing is, you know, bad. And so the reality is you're going to continue. People still, my friends still to this day, they, oh, yeah, you're in that scam. It's scripting or you know, Elizabeth Warren saying it's a scam. You got people that, you know, listen and believe this stuff. And the reality is that's going to continue to happen until a couple things happen. One, when the Bitcoin ETF comes, that's going to throw a, a monkey wrench into the narrative a bit because it's going to bring some legitimization and credibility to crypto as a whole because people associate Bitcoin and crypto right now as the same. So that's going to kind of throw a little mixed bag in it. People are like, wait a minute, I thought crypto was bad, but now we got an ETF, so crypto is good. And it's going to kind of start to maybe change the narrative a bit. And then, of course, you know, you've got the presidential candidates. You've got this right here. This is probably the most important thing to crypto industry. Look at that, Abs. They got to donate $78 million 
to these to these presidential candidates to get them to talk and say good things about it. And you know, the reality is you got Vivek out there talking about it. We know Trump really isn't anti-crypto. Imagine if those two partnered up and your president and vice president brought it together. That'd be very, very interesting. It wasn't our friend from FTX. Was he also donating some money to to governmental people? Just a little tiny bit. Just a tad bit. Guys, I want to get Gonzo's take on this as well. Because Gonzo, when I look at articles like this, this is what I started the show with, right? This is becoming the most important narrative in the crypto market today. 52 million Americans own digital assets as of December of 2023, and the industry has already donated $78 million in counting from 20 leading organizations and companies throughout America that are pushing a crypto forward candidate in 2024. We are going to see people who use crypto as a way to get voters. I said this before Vivek even started talking about it, Johnny. As a younger person, I know young people love fast money, and if you're going to be a supporter of them making fast money, they're going to go into the boot and, and check your name off when it comes to that day. I really believe that. And yeah. I honestly believe that's what happened with Trump a, a lot is that people were promised a booming economy and he delivered for a short period of time. He did deliver. That's undeniable whether you support him or do not. But uh, Gonzo, I'd love to give you the floor and then we'll continue with some articles. Um, yeah. I mean, this is exactly what that, that what we need, right? Is we need them to start lobbying and to get in the ear of Congress, like the right way, not like what FTX was trying to do by like creating a federal bit license. Like these are the responsible players. You got Brian Armstrong from Coinbase and Brad Garlinghouse uh, from Ripple. Um, and so it, it's kind of exactly what we need. Look, they're a dying breed. Um, that narrative, um, you know, you're gonna see this more and more, right? Like leaning into the younger technology and the younger generation, like at some point, like as the boomers start to die out, and their wealth gets transferred over to the next generation down. It's also the ideals and the voting, all of that stuff kind of just gets transitioned out. And that's why they're holding onto it so badly, right? Because they're losing control, they're losing power. That's why you have Elizabeth Warren doing all the talking head stuff, right? It's because they're scared shitless of this. They're scared shitless to lose power. They're scared shitless of this technology, but um, th there's no way around it. Like it, it, it's coming regardless of, how they slow it down or what they say. Johnny, do me a favor and just check the private DM very briefly because we got an update from Brad Garlinghouse as well while you do that. He said, Team Ripple is putting a stake in the ground, leading the charge with other industry leaders to support pro-innovation and pro-crypto candidates in the 2024 U.S. election cycle. The U.S. cannot afford to continue to take a back seat on the global stage of regulation of the crypto market and regulatory overreach, especially from the SEC, is actively moving the U.S. in the wrong direction. Other countries are taking full advantage of the lack of the U.S. leadership, and we need to advance leaders who will champion innovation and spearhead paths towards responsible regulation. 2024 is the time to go back to the first principles by encouraging initiatives to promote transparency, innovation, and a compliance-first approach. Tim, Team Ripple and I won't squander it. Very, very powerful words from Brad Garlinghouse, especially with this case not fully in, in the review mirror yet, Johnny. But with this being said, I'm going to leave this on your on the screen. The floor is yours. Well, I mean, obviously, see, Brad and Ripple smart. They've been through the worst pain of it of any of any company. And they understand that the only way to really fight this, they know it, it's through Congress. They get it. They and, and through the candidates. They understand this is going to require education and this is going to require them because I told you this a while ago. We needed these companies to come together. We need Kraken. You need Binance. You needed uh, Coinbase. You needed uh, Ripple. All to come together 
Put a bunch of money together. Create a pro lobby, a pro crypto lobbyist fund, and start funding this thing. And it's happening now, but it's four years too late. We needed this four years ago. But anyway, the point is, it's good that it's happening. Now, let me give you the other side of the coin, unfortunately. You said something important, Abs. You said the younger generation wants fast money, and they're pro crypto, and that's great. You know what the problem with the younger generation is? They don't vote. They don't come out and vote. And that is the problem. And that's a fact. That's not my, that is a fact. The younger generation does for my friend group and, and going through the 2020 election. I know a lot of my friends did not vote in that election. So you're not wrong. Yeah. Unfortunately, therein lies the problem. So now here's the $64,000 question. Is this topic important enough for people who don't want to vote to get out and say, I need to go vote there? And I don't have the answer. Only the, only the young kids do. But, you know, so if you're a young kid right now and you're in the chat, if you're if you're under 24 years old and you're listening to the chat, tell me if you're put a one in the chat, if you're going to get off your butt and you're going to go vote or put a two in the chat, if you're not going to go vote, you're probably going to say you are and you're not going to go anyway, because that's what the younger generation does. But nonetheless, let's see what happens, Ab, because if the younger generation does come out and they do support the younger, uh, do support the, the pro crypto guy, that could make a difference. But will they come out? Hmm. As they haven't been, they've never proven they would in any other past election. Hopefully this is an important enough topic where they will, but I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Let me ask you this. How much of that do you think is the fact that they don't resonate with either candidate? Do you think it's actually a problem with the younger people being like, I'm, I don't have the energy to walk into the voting booth and check off a box? Or do you think they've actually registered that their votes are relevant because they don't like either person? When I talk to younger people and I ask them, you know why they don't vote? Because they don't understand how it impacts them yet. But when they start paying taxes and they start realizing, I've had people tell me they now go vote. And usually when they get around their 28s, 30s, they're like, oh, my God, I'm paying more tax. It makes a difference. They start paying more attention. They understand the value of their vote. But when they're younger, the 18-year-olds, the 20-year-olds, they don't really understand it. They don't get the importance of it. They don't see how it impacts them. And they got so much going on in their lives, they don't want to take out the 10, 20 minutes to go and that's that's just what I've heard people tell me because I have a lot of young ne nieces and nephews. And I ask them why don't they vote, and that's what I hear every time. So I, I think it's a combination of things, but I would I would pick the latter. Like with what Abs is saying, is like they just don't resonate with either candidate, right? So not so much that they don't care or that they don't understand um, that it affects them, right? Because that wouldn't be giving them like the credit that they deserve. That they're intellectually like evolved, right? Or that they're smart enough to recognize that. I think it's more what you're saying, Abs, that they just don't vibe with either candidate. And so why are you gonna go vote if you don't vibe with either person? Uh, but I, I think what you need is like a run, a, a younger person that runs, right? Um, that actually has a chance to win. And then I think you'd see a different outcome because I think they would, they would, they would vibe with them more. Well, Johnny, I, I do want to make a serious comment here because I think Gonzo's onto something where he says, like, not only can we not resonate with candidates, it's a little bit hard to understand someone's mindset when they're older than your grandparents. And I'm a, I'm not that young. I'm 26 years old. Both candidates are older than my oldest grandparent. How am I supposed to resonate and say, oh, this man should lead our nation? The man who leads my family is 45. So how am I going to look at somebody who's 85 and defer to him? It just doesn't make a lot of sense. And I think and, a lot of people feel that way. And, and, and I don't disagree that that's also another factor. And you just proved my point. That's why they don't vote. 
and they're not gonna. And that's the question, right? Now, if we get a young guy, if Vivek's on there and maybe he runs, he's not gonna win, but maybe he'll I'm president, but maybe he'll be a vice presidential candidate and maybe he'll draw some of the people in. That is something that I I'm I'm hoping could happen because I think you've heard him talk very, very much about cryptocurrency, very pro-cryptocurrency. If he's on the platform, like who, whoever runs should Whoever wins the presidential nomination should pick him as the vice president if he doesn't win it. I think he'd be a great, great vice presidential candidate. He'll bring in potentially, possibly, the younger vote you're talking about because he's the he's more of a younger, you know, one of the younger candidates and maybe can resonate. So I got me, one more comment for you. And then we're going to move on, guys, because this is a crypto show. But Gonzo, I, I don't know if you had any comments. I'm going to give you the floor and then I'll. Oh, sorry. You want me to take the floor here? Uh, yeah, no, I, I don't really have any comments. So, I don't think we can like move on to the to the next thing. You know? Johnny, I just want to say one last thing about Vivek is that I've been watching a lot of the smaller YouTube channels out there, the ones that have maybe 300,000 subscribers. And, and those might not sound small, but compared to like 10 million, it's a small number. Vivek's been going on a ton of these smaller podcasts. And this is my point. Accessibility is everything. Even the guys like, I know Trump's old, but even Trump, he did podcasts with a bunch of young, famous people during that last presidential cycle. And I think he's going to do it again. Other candidates don't give us that opportunity to see the side of them that we can resonate with. And I think that's a big thing too, with social media, making everybody accessible. When you have somebody who puts up these barriers, it almost makes it a, a negative thing instead of a positive. Where in the past, it used to be like, oh, the president's inaccessible. He's too important. Now it's kind of like everyone's accessible. If you're not, you're outdated. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. Don't don't disagree with that at all. The smartest way and the best way these presidential candidates can interact with people is through social media. I mean, as Trump has done it. He's 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 mastered it, right? I mean, he has sort of got like 72 million people. So the reality is that's the way to get to those people and to start to get them on board and kind of share your ideas. So we'll we'll see how it pans out. We'll see if the young people come out and vote. But it could have an impact this in the crypto from a cryptocurrency perspective. If they do, I just don't know if cryptocurrency is important enough to most young people to come out. We'll have to see. And we'll also know this, guys. 52 million Americans own crypto today. So whether they're young or they're old, 52 million people out there care about regulation, whether they recognize that or not. And we got 503 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Gonzo. In today's episode title, I put Ethereum's connections to the White House. That's what we're going to go over right here. But let's start with Ripple's connections before we get into the Ethereum alliance here. And I'm not singling you out because of the Ethereum stuff. I'm just going to you for no, something. Else. Dude, don't, don't talk to me about Ethereum this morning. I'm very, <laughs> dude, I'm very upset with Ethereum this morning because I had to bridge assets, dude. And it's such a pain in the ass. Uh, you know, like, oh, dude, I, I was so frustrated this morning. Look, Ethereum, like, you know, they, they need to get EIP 4844. Uh, it, it's going to change a lot that's coming next year. But uh, super pissed off at Ethereum, dude. Like it, it was just, I was bridging assets over to the Cosmos ecosystem injective um, into like the injective trading platform. And it was just a, a, a real pain, right? Like when you use something like Solana or then you use the Cosmos ecosystem and you see how fluid it is and how it all just kind of uh, bridges together very easily for Lester and Jackson fees. Uh, it, it, it gets you very, very frustrated with Ethereum, right? Ethereum is the biggest one. It's not going anywhere, but like it really needs to get this upgrade next year uh, or, uh, you know, you're, you're going to start to have issues as these chains start to like evolve their tech, right? Uh, yeah. It's going to be hard to catch it, but. 
We'll and JP Morgan agrees with you, Gonzo. Look at the article we had last week. And this isn't the topic we're covering, but just because you brought it up, let's remind people, JP Morgan said they're cautious about the crypto markets heading into 2024, but that's not what they're optimistic about. They said they're they're expecting Ethereum to outperform Bitcoin and other cryptos next year due to the EIP 4844 upgrade that you had just referenced. So Gonzo's not just pulling this stuff out of thin air, guys. He's referencing the same stuff as JP Morgan. But let's actually play a little clip of... Uh, uh, wait, where was that? I'm so sorry about this, guys. Right here. We're going to go over the connections between the White House, Ripple, and Ethereum Foundation right now. And Johnny, we got over 500 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And check out this. Client profile Ripple. This is a website called Open Secrets where you can see who the agencies were lobbied by in 2023. So Ripple was only associated with the CFTC, the Commodities Futures Trading Commission. And I don't want to go down a rabbit hole, but if you listen to their leader, that would lead me to believe that they're on the same page. Ripple and the CFTC have a lot of the same mindset when it comes to the future of crypto regulation. Let's check out Consensus Software, aka Ethereum here, because that list is seven times as long. We've got the CFTC, the Department of Treasury, the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, the National Institute of Standards and Technology, the National Security Council, the Securities and Exchange Commission, and then I guess the most important here, the White House in and of itself. So, Johnny, I'd actually like to start with you on this topic. What do you take from these connections? We're looking at the biggest names in America here, but is it as relevant as it appears to be? You know, this, yeah, <laughs> there's certainly something to be said for when you're looking at where these companies are putting their money abs, and they and they know where they need to go you know how to get in where the ends need to be and so that that's a problem you know ripple just having one it's kind of like being outplayed outnumbered right you don't want to be outnumbered in this space right now especially when you're trying to create something new a new technology you want to make sure you got as many of these i hate to say it but that's just how the world works you need to have you know it's all about money and you need to have you got to have the right players on your side and the way you get those players is money. So not not it's just not a good thing for you would think Ripple be lobbying more is my point. They should be, but we'll see how it plays out. And we know they have over a billion dollars, or at least at some point during this year, they had over a billion dollars in cash ready to invest. Spend some of that cash, baby. And they're doing that. We just showed that earlier report citing that they are working on friendly crypto regulation and pushing pro crypto candidates. Andrew, I'd love to start with you and then we'll continue to with Gonzo. Yeah, you know, you said that 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 Ripple should should do more. What 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 I think is Ripple is doing already. Is they are working on worldwide coverage. You know, they are they are available in many many countries at the moment. So I think they are doing a lot to get crypto accepted. I'm not always happy with with their uh, uh, interfacing with CDBCs. What they are doing, I think you have another article today about it, but. Uh, yeah, it, it is what it is. And oh yeah, that, that, this is the article, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I think we cannot do without. And, and I was just in, in the preparation, I was reading this article. And it was very interesting. I think, I think they are right. That if you want to have the glue between the old world and the new world, yeah, you need something like a CDBC. It's, it, it is what it is. And uh, what I hope we'll, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see the, 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 bad benefits, <laughs> the bad benefits from it. 
Gonzo, we're going to talk about, should we, I, we're going to address the Charles stuff after this topic because Andrew made a great transition. So let's roll into this CBDC news and then we'll talk about the Charles Hotkinson situation. Earlier this week, Ripple issued a white paper on central bank digital currencies, reiterating their belief and potential. And they actually discussed some of the potential hurdles as well. We're going to go directly to this document released by the Digital Pound Foundation on December 15th, last Friday. They said the digital evolution of money, a new white paper from Ripple. They highlighted many of the key points, but some of the biggest things that I noticed in here, Gonzo, the advocate, the, they are advocating for the collaboration between private banks and the public. They said that the private industry cannot do it alone. They need the public sector in order to create these currencies. They're also estimating that $5 trillion in CBDCs could circulating major co economies in the next decade. And I just want to go to Crypto Erie's tweet here because she had something very pulled up. CBDCs are tokenized bank monies and with sovereign equivalent of cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, Ethereum, and XRP. So we are again seeing XRP ascend into a class of its own. But I think the fact that they're collaborating with the Digital Pound Foundation to create a platform for central bank digital currencies, this is the type of news that takes five, six, seven, eight years to come to fruition. But we're showing it to you now so that we can address it going forward. What do you take away from this, Gonzo? The fact that they're estimating $5 trillion in CBDCs over the next eight years. Yeah, we've been seeing this for, uh, I think a while now, like since like last year, all the different stories that talk about Ripple building a CBDC, right? And starting with uh, the uh, the plow, right? Uh, and we've always talked about it, like starting uh, in a smaller country. And then, you know, as it starts to work, proof of concept goes to a bigger country, right? And so this is one of the things that kind of changed my investment thesis. Uh, when it comes to like human nature and emotions and how this market is run, because like people hate Ethereum, right? They hate Ethereum because they got a free pass and this, that, and the third. And yet people love Ripple and they love like XRP, right? We're an XRP centric store, but they're building a central bank digital currency, right? That if used the wrong way will enslave us, right? And so when you look at that, that's when I went down the rabbit hole of, okay, we hate Ethereum because they got a free pass or whatever narrative it is, but we love XRP and we love Ripple, even though they're building a central bank digital currency that we all agree is evil, right? Just like tells me like where we're at as a market, right? And so, and that's why I don't marry any of these, right? I don't, I'm not a, like a maxi of any of these. I'm looking for the opportunities and I'll trade the opportunities. Because when you try to put logic into it, it absolutely makes zero sense. That is just how life works, my friend. And we got 505 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And guys, there's a lot that we can talk about from the aspect of Ethereum, but let's get into the Charles Hoskinson news, Johnny, because I know me and you, we had a great phone call last night. And this, this is something I want to get your live reaction on the show too, because they were writing articles about this and Charles said they would at the time, but Cardano founder addresses two years of XRP community harassment. Very misleading headline. I mean, I guess technically he did do that, but he did much more than just address the news. So let's go directly to my tweet here. And I also want to remind people, follow the Twitter account if you want updates on the weekend. I'm tweeting out four, five, six times a day. That goes for Saturday and Sunday as well. So be for go smash that follow button. My user tag is at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. Go smash that follow button for updates all throughout the day. Now, Johnny, reminder, 365 days ago, Charles Hoskinson dropped a bomb on the XRP community. He responded to my tweet saying, there's no point in inviting toxicity into your life. It's abusive and pointless. Even in saying it now, they're mocking baby memes. Life is too short. Move on and cut it out. 
XRP provides no partnership or technical value. The community is toxic and petty and I can live without it. David Schwartz quickly responded here. And I think this is pretty funny. He said, you may want to wait a few days, read this tweet back and think about whether you're sure that's the combination of things that you really want to say. So I asked the question, Johnny, today we asked Charles, do you stand by these bold proclamations about XRP's value? Well, Charles said, yes, he stood by his statements. And as you can tell, we'll go through his response here as well. Charles said, yes. And I said, what leads you to this conclusion? This is where we got a pretty interesting response. So after I read this, Johnny, I'm going to kick it over to you. He said, two years of daily harassment by the community, the lack of technical overlap between Cardano and XRP, and the different product market fit. Projects like Tezos, Algorand, Polkadot, Ethereum, and Cardano are solving similar problems. Ripple is built for a different purpose. The instant connection of the tech makes no sense, especially given the constant personal attacks, harassment, and utter inability to have a conversation. I've been exceedingly clear about what I said. Many members of the XRP community will not accept or understand my statements. I don't know why or how it benefits them. Even your question provokes a fight. Why ask it? There will now be another article, a string of articles, Reddit posts, and anti-Charles tweets. What's the point? So Johnny, let me actually show my response because I feel like after saying that, I should probably respond. So I said, I respect that you took the time to respond and elaborate on your response. It's important to ask these questions because thousands, if not millions of people value your opinion and making a bold blanket statement like this can be confusing for the everyday investor. Invest addressing and expanding on the topic at least allows us regular people to understand what led you to this conclusion. Charles then responded one final time, and this is where I'll kick it to you. He said, I even made a 52 minute video on this topic, breaking it down on my YouTube exhaustively. Regular people aren't interested in a nuance. It's black and white, and I'm sorry, they won't accept anything else. I threw a lot at you there, Johnny, but this is some pretty interesting content. We got 400, 546 people here. Let us know your opinion in the live chat. I'm going to put them up on the screen as well because we're going to hear from Gonzo, Johnny, and Andrew. But do you agree with Charles? Do you think that his original criticism of XRP was in the technical overlap? And do you think that we confuse that? Or do you think he's backtracking? Because... I could play a video, and this is what we're going to play after Johnny's response, from June 10th of 2023, when Cardano was originally listed on the SEC's unregistered security list. Car Charles Hoskinson was backpedaling like a safety in the NFL, Johnny. He's like Ed Reed in his prime, backpedaling, looking for that pass. And this is what's really funny about the whole thing is that we do this in a lighthearted spirit. I, I want to make sure that this isn't some personal attack. I said nothing personal here about Charles. I just put up his statements, and I asked a tough question. And I think his response pretty much speaks for itself. So I'd love to start with Johnny and we'll go around the group. What do you take away from everything I just put out there? You know, Ed Reed was a pretty good damn cornerback safety too. I hated him because uh, he's always playing against the Steelers. But anyway, nonetheless, the reality is apt. I'm not going to backpedal. I said on this show a year ago that what he was really trying to say, he was never saying XRP has no value. He was saying XRP has no value relationship with Cardano, that they don't have a partnership together. I told you that then. And now when you read his comments, he actually came and said that now. That's exactly what I thought he was saying. He's not stupid enough. It's, he, he's too smart to come out and say XRP has no value. He wouldn't do that. He understands the cross-border payment solution, a problem. He understands the, the solution they bring. He's a smart enough guy to know they have value. I told you that he was just trying to say, and he didn't choose his words correctly, or he didn't finish his statement which is why I try to choose every word carefully when I say that. He just didn't finish his statement. He should have said XRP has no value 
with my company. I don't care about them because we're not doing anything together. We're not partnered together. That's what I thought he meant then. And he clarified that now. If people still want to bash him, they're going to bash him because people just hate him now. But the reality is I, that's what I thought he meant. And he just proved his point that that's what he was trying to say. I want to point out one other thing, Johnny. So I like how he he backpedaled on the idea that he was saying the project in and of itself has value. It just doesn't provide value to Cardano. What he didn't backtrack on is that the community is toxic and petty, and he called us conspiracy theorists. I've got some great responses. Peaceful Gamer gave me a great response on Twitter. A ton of people were responding in this. There's a lot of quotes from Charles that go well beyond this. His criticism is definitely personal, and I think that he's defending it here in this very smart, nuanced way because Charles is a brilliant guy. Charles is one of the smartest guys in crypto. Forget about forget about like that. He's literally one of the smartest men in America. I would put him up there if you're talking scale of IQ. So I feel yeah. like he's playing 4D chess. The last thing I want to say is also if Charles is so smart, why is he interacting with these comments? Because he knows it's going to get engagement. He knows people want to hear what he has to say and he's going to put out his take because guess what? If he didn't want the, the attention, he wouldn't have responded to my tweet. I have not that many followers. He has a million followers. Oh, you're so, right. He did not need to respond. I was actually shocked that he did respond, but I will give you this. That last sentence where he says the community is toxic and petty, he should have never said that. That was wrong. That was that was coming at us. Shouldn't have done it. I offered the door, though. I opened the door. I said, Charles, come on the show. Come and talk about it. I asked him, Charles, if you're listening, you're still invited. Come on. We'll treat you fair and with respect. We'd love to have Charles on the show to basically come and clarify his opinion, but abs, I don't think he's going to come on because I, I think – he thinks that the whole entire XRP community is toxic. But if you watch this show, you realize we're not toxic. We are fair, and we would treat him fair. I'd love to have him on the show and come and talk about. But actually, more importantly, just to talk about blockchains and technology because he's a smart guy and think he can get out a lot of value to our community. But I hope he, I hope you saw the tweet. Charles, if you're out there, come on the show, baby. We want to talk to you. Gonzo, we said a lot in the last couple of minutes, and I want to give a shout-out to our boys, Sin City, in the live chat. Shout-out to you guys. Keep up the amazing work. We got to collaborate soon. But Gonzo... On a more serious note, what do you think about the statements that Charles made? Me and Johnny had a little debate. I want to know what's on your mind, and I'll follow up with a question. Um, you know, I, I, like Johnny was saying, like I, I don't think our community is toxic, and I think we're very even. Even with our like the more maxi people, like in our community, I think they're also very open to to letting other people talk about their change or what have you, right? But uh, I, I don't think it's wrong. I've seen it, right? Like. Um, it can be very, it can be toxic, right? It can be very maximalist, not just in the XRP or the XRP army, but the Bitcoin maxi, like some of the ETH maxis, whatever maxis they are. <laughs> They're not very, uh, I'm trying to think of the word. Uh, it's not understanding. Um, God, I can't think of it right now. It's on the tip of my tongue. Very similar to that, but they're just not that way. And so, um, yeah, like, you know, he's a big figure, so he should expect... When he says things, people should are going to fire off on him. But it doesn't mean that he's not wrong and that some people can be uh, very, very, very toxic and not. Um, God, I can't think of the word. Not It's not understanding. But anyways, um, I, I don't think we're that here, like what, what, what we have here. But I just don't think it's, it's a good way to weed because when you go down that path, that maxi path where you're 100 percent certain and you're sure then you won't see the pivot coming, right? You won't see that you could be wrong, right? You won't see change coming because you're so positive, right? You're not open to any kind of pivot or change and you won't see it, right? Uh, and, and then it could be 
catastrophic, especially think, when you're talking about an investment thesis. So let me know, wh what were your thoughts on Charles' statement? Maybe I missed it. Did as you share that? Sorry. No, I just said that, you know, uh, like I, I was agreeing with Johnny. One is that uh, Johnny was spot on when, when he talked about that it was not any value to Cardano or to his ecosystem, right? And then the other thing is this, is that he, uh, I'm agreeing with the part that, yeah, people can be hella toxic. They can. They could be savage and mean and toxic. But right? here's Especially, the blessing. And it's not specific to, like, what I'm saying, it's not specific to the XRP army. It's yeah. specific to maximalism, yeah. right? Whether it's the Bitcoin maxis or the XRP army or right. ETH or even the Solana ones, like any kind of maximalism is toxic. Mm. Can, can, can we please stop about this? I mean, and this looked like we have a show in the Netherlands. This is called Show News. And then celebrities talking about other celebrities who did it with whom and who didn't and who was angry about whom and who is divorced and who isn't. It looked like this. I mean, low vibrating people talk about other people. Medium vibrating people talk about things and high vibrating people talk about opportunities. So I would say let's talk about opportunities because the, 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 the future is open for us. And this is, yeah, sorry, show news. Well, I'll take the personal insult there, Andrew, and I'll remind you, you misquoted Elon Musk. There's three tiers of thought. It's those who talk about others, those who talk about events, and those who talk about ideas. So if you're going to throw shots, at least get it correct, my friend. Well, we got four, 535 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And the reason we're talking about these comments originally is because of this. He's talking about the integration of projects into other ecosystems. This is like TCPIP all over again, Johnny. Once we see blockchains cooperating and building together, we're going to see more opportunities flourish. And that's kind of what we're focusing on. Now, I'm just, it is, it's, it's more, I think Andrew's right with the assumption that like, is it just attention grabbing news? Like, yes, in a way, there's not that much technical value within the article. But to say that we're sitting here like bashing Charles, I don't think that's true. I haven't said a personal attack about him. I've actually only called him brilliant. And I've actually said, He's one of the smartest players in the space. I think, so that's Andrew, why I think what Andrew's saying is just this overall bantering going back and forth and going is, is something that, you know, the other shows do too. And, and, it, and the reality is that's what sells. Why do you think Jerry Springer was so successful for years? People want to see, right, Andrew, people want to see, unfortunately, low vibrational activity. They love seeing people go after each other because they're going after each other makes them feel more valuable and it's a shame because of really but that's what sells right all you know that you know bad news sells and this is about mine or fights or things like that that's what people pay attention to nobody really cares about a good story right so so anyway the point though is this at the end of the day what we're looking for is what these technologies coming together abs as you talked about they need to come together we need something to bring them all together to unlock the value of them all as a whole so that this whole industry grows. And the reality is we are on the cusp of that. We are at something in the beginning of something potentially big. Now, the U.S. is doing its best job, to, as Andrew said, to slow the technology down. He's 100% spot on. It has been slowed down. Ripple has acknowledged it has been slowed down from their perspective. And many other companies, attorneys are telling their companies, don't start in the U.S., there's no question. The question is when will they finally release or unleash this technology in the U.S.? When will they say, give it the green stamp and let it go? 
I think we're probably a year or two away before we get to see that. And then we get to really see things flourish, but we will be behind. Absolutely, guys. And we can talk about some more relevant stuff, too, because we've got some gaming articles and we've got some tether information to break down. Johnny, for the sake of time, let's start with the gaming, because this is some pretty exciting news here. Tens of millions of new users could be entering the Web3 gaming space in 2024. And we've got the evidence to prove that that's going to happen. Now, the first thing I want to clarify, we're talking Asia here because the America, due to regulation, is forced to sit on the sidelines of all this innovation. Several highly anticipated blockchain games will likely onboard tens of millions of gamers in Web3 heading into 2024. 2024 is a growth year in terms of bringing people into Web3, said the founder of Anakin Brands. And in the last three months, around 1 million unique active wallets have played Web3 games daily, at least according to Dapper Radar data. He said many of the gaming titles that are about to be released were in alpha or beta stages during 2022 and 2023. Well, now all of them are coming out for commercial launch in 2024. And he's speculating that tens of millions, maybe even a hundred million gamers will come through these kinds of less intensive games. We're talking about skins. We're talking about games that are free to play, but then you earn incentives in the game and you store them on the blockchain. So not all of this stuff is like you're going to pay $5 to play Fortnite now, Johnny. So pretty cool information here. I'd like to hear your reaction. We'll go to uh, Cashflow. Oh, Abs, you got me so excited. I love the gaming industry. It's my favorite segment of this whole entire space because when you do the research and you realize that the gaming industry is bigger than the goddamn movie industry, it's a $300 billion industry, okay? And people soon are going to be able to tap off of that and be able to own their own stuff and make money? Are you kidding me? You're going to let people make money off it? Can you not see how big this is going to be? I absolutely love the gaming space. And if you are not in some gaming coins, oh boy, you're going to miss the boat in the next bull run. I think this is going to be huge. Love it. There's so many out there, though. That's the problem. Like in the past, right? It was kind of like Gala, Mana, Sand. Those were like the big three, right? Now, forget about it. Yeah, that guys don't like any of them. But but now you got so many Myra playable G Swift. I got a whole list of them abs, and I'm trying to figure out how to get them. There's so many. It's ridiculous how many are out there. But that whole space is, I think, gaming's gonna be a big narrative in the next one, and so will AI. Those two, I think, gonna be two massive narratives in the next bull run. I'm excited for this space. I can't wait for it. Andrew Cashflow, what do you think about gaming heading into 2024? This article specifically highlights how he's ready for NFTs to enter the market again. So gaming is not only going to create an opportunity for blockchains and games within the blockchain, NFTs may have a resurgence. What do you think? No, no you know, what, what I was wondering is you do not even have to be a gamer to be in gaming. And it blew my mind a couple of years ago. I, I spoke to a guy. He was maybe 15, 16 years old. He was watching Twitch. And what was he watching? He was watching super famous gamers, you know, playing games and telling about the games and how they are playing. It's ridiculous. And then the, 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 the amount of opportunity that gave. There are millions of people watching gamers. That's that's insane. And that, that the gaming becomes bigger than any sports and, and all the all the electronic uh, stuff. So it, it, it's yeah, it's for, for me, it's uh, it, it's it's in it's an area that will grow enormously. However, Johnny said another area, but there is also tokenization. That is that will be the third wave of, uh, of, of, of crypto that will come to us in the in the very near future. So because that's all financial stuff. 
So uh, yeah, we are we are seeing a bright future for uh, for crypto. Gonzo, any thoughts on gaming and the resurgence heading into 2024? Yeah, I think they're spot on. You know, we're starting to get these games. Like when you look at the technology side of it, like, you know, AVAX done extremely well because of their subnet technology, right? Each subnet's been able to create its own kind of blockchain, its own game. Shrapnel, right? Dr. Disrespect, off the grid. Good games are starting to come to these blockchains, right? You're seeing some in the Solana ecosystem. IMX has absolutely just been blowing up. I mean, you, you, you like, look, you, you can't go crazy, right? Because you could go right down that rabbit hole. So either stick with like, either like the, the, the like layer ones that are like Beam or something like that, that, that or, or like the gaming infrastructure, which is like Myriad, Playable Games, Gala, or, or like the game itself, right? But like, we like the, the gaming platforms or the actual layer ones that they're building on uh, because, you know, you could have, one of the games hit and it makes the chain successful right you don't need the actual game to hit like you know when, you, when you're talking about shrapnel you need shrapnel to do very well or like Sidus, right uh with the senate token which is the governance token so there, there's so many bro alluvium another one that, that that's going to come out this year but it all just depends on how the game does and and the minute that you get a game that catches fire where people don't even care that it's on the blockchain it's just fun to play right? Um, that's where you transition everyone, right? Because in the Asian market, like they all love Web3. They all love the NFT market and the way things are, are, are built, right? For some reason, our gamers here in the US, they either believe it's a scam or there's a lot of pushback in the gaming world in the US uh, okay. because they just, they haven't clicked with it yet, right? But when it finally clicks, uh, it, it'll definitely kind of change everything. And I think accessibility is a big issue with that as well. I think that if gaming, blockchain gaming was more accessible, people would not only understand it more, but be, be more willing to use the technology. Johnny, we are going to go into an article right now breaking down Tether and how they've collaborated with the Secret Service and the FBI. This is brand new information, guys, but I'm going to kick it to you and then we'll move on. Yeah, before you, I'll just wrap this up. The other thing I like in the gaming space, Abs, the one thing that's been true and, 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 and held is the, no, the nodes, the gaming nodes. The nodes are really interesting because, again, you get to own, to some degree, the infrastructure of the system, right? Who? Because I don't want to, I'm not interested really in owning the game. I don't want to bet on, is this game going to win for a second? But owning the system, owning Gala nodes, owning Myra nodes, owning Playable nodes, then you don't need just one game to win. You just need the network, as Gonzo said, to win. So the nodes offer a great opportunity to be able to own the infrastructure if you want to. Now they're not cheap. I mean, you're, you know, a node for Gala or play, I mean, a node for playable Amira is around four or $5,000, $6,000. But Gala, which was a hundred dollars that started as well, is now worth a hundred thousand dollars per node. So that goes to show you where these gaming nodes can go. Now they're not always liquid markets. You can't sell them. But the point is when money floods in to buy them, the price of the coin goes up and that's where there's some serious, serious potential to be made there. Uh, Johnny Crypto, and we got to cover a couple of topics, so we're going to go a little bit fast on this one. Tether has published letters from the company stating that they have, they have collaborated with the U.S. Senate State Committee, Housing, Banking, and Urban Affairs, as well as the U.S. House of Financial Services Committee, outlining its commitment to security and close workingship relationships with law enforcement. The Tether CEO emphasized Tether's recent decision to disable Tether tokens in all wallets on the Office of Foreign Assets and Control Sanctions list. So Tether, the organization, agreed to shut down the money of people that the United States government deems as criminals. 
Tether claims to have helped the Department of Justice, the U.S. Secret Service, the Federal Bureau of Investigation freeze 326 wallets controlling $435 million worth of Tether. He also announced that Tether had recently onboarded the United States Secret Service into their platform and is in the process of doing the same thing for the FBI. I am not surprised, but... I'm using that tone for a reason because everybody paints Tether in this way, like Tether's the black swan, Tether's going to collapse. This is the classic example of them using a technology to their advantage. Don't trust Tether. Hey, if you guys want to transparency, use Tether. Nobody can track Tether. Same thing with Bitcoin. Who controls Bitcoin? We're seeing it with Tether right now. The three-letter agencies not only have the clamps on this thing, they've already seized over $400 million. So I think it's actually good. I'm not saying it's a it's like a totally negative thing. But it's it's new news, and I'd like to hear your thoughts. Let's start with Gonzo because Gonzo's, you know why? Yeah, you know I'm not I'm not surprised, dude. They're going to comply, right? They don't want to get regulated out of existence. But you know it's not unique to them. Uh, I'm sure the USDC, USDC, um, you know they're they're also going to comply whatever the laws are, right? Or, uh, um, but like people, we've been talking about like tether collapsing. That is not the black swan, right? Like, you know what a black swan was? When USDC became unpegged last year, that was a black swan. No one saw that coming, right? That they had some of the reserves on Silicon Valley Bank. And then all of a sudden, when we thought we were, when they thought they were going to get the money or access to the money because, you know, FDIC insurance, it depegged, right? And what happened? They came in and the Fed backstopped all of the accounts. And then all of a sudden it was fine, right? That is a black swan. But, you know, Tether's going to do what Tether needs to do to survive, right? And, and uh, we've seen this kind of thing before, right, uh, with um, like uh, Ethereum addresses where they're on a kind of list, right? Um, and, and you're just going to get that, right? You're going to get compliant. It's one of the bigger chains. So you're going to get this kind of compliance with the government, especially when they write search warrants or um, it's anything that's been flagged as terrorism, or 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 um, sanctions, or a country that's sanctioned, a wallet that's associated with with a sanctioned country. You know they're they're going to comply with the law. Just a lot the of way that it is. Stuff. Uh, hey. Go ahead. Yeah, hey, you remember when this came up a year ago? What did I tell you? If if you guys are talking about what the what the next black swan is going to be, it ain't going to be. You don't get a warning with a black swan. And whenever we say it's going to be tether, that's how you knew it wasn't going to be tether. It's just not going to happen. The next black swan is not going to be what anybody thinks it's going to be. So stop even trying to guess what it is because you're not going to. You're not going to get it right because it won't be. It doesn't work that way. So, But the reality is what's fascinating about that story is, if you remember, Tether didn't even want to reveal their, their sources, right, their assets or their, their, their backing. Um, I forgot the percentages now. This was a while ago. I think 70 or 80% of the basket was cashed. And the other 30%, they wouldn't know. They're like, oh, it's in this other asset. And they wouldn't tell what it was, right? Interesting they wouldn't do that, but obviously now they have to they have to comply with these agencies. It makes sense. There's there's no way otherwise. I mean, if you look at if you look this up, it was like four or five guys that run the whole tether thing that literally are funding it. So and then the other thing is tether just prints it's like they use they just print money out of thin air. And that's the other risk here with tether. So you, you know, it is good to, to see them, you know, some of these agencies have a clamp on them. But yeah, I, I never I don't think tether will be. But I don't think any of the collapse of anything is going to be a black swan. It's going to be much, much bigger than that. I'm not even going to predict what it is because I'm not going to go against what I just said. But it's not even going to be what I think it is. 
but I don't think it's going to be anything in the cryptocurrency space. I think it's going to be much broader globally. Andrew, I'd like to hear your thoughts as well. And while you're giving your response, I'm going to leave this new commercial that came out from Bitwise on the screen. This is a latest, I believe it's going to be a Super Bowl commercial from the Dos Santos guy. What do they call this guy? The uh, most Dos Equis. Interesting man in the world. Interesting man in the world. So now he's saying go buy Bitcoin. But Andrew, I'm going to leave this up. What's your response to the Tether news? Uh, what, what you see actually is centralization in crypto. It is controlling the on and off ramps. And I think on one hand, I think it's good, you know, to, to ban criminality and, and that kind of stuff. However, it can also be used against other people. Look at the truckers in Canada. Look at other stuff. You can, and if, if, if crypto will be more accessible and more usable, then if these kind of systems will, uh, will come in place, yeah, it's also a little bit scary and I don't like it. But however, I also know uh, Tether can also be replaced by something else. And I hope in the future, in the near future, we are, we are able to pay our groceries also, not only with dollars or with CDBCs, but also with some other form of really free cryptocurrencies. And, and I'm looking forward to that. So, you know, it's good that regulation can be there and the tether can be sort of regulated, what, because that's what it is. FBI can say, block those uh, wallets. But on the other hand, it's also a little bit scary, in my opinion. Johnny Crypto, let's go over the user poll for today. We asked our live chat, which token will have higher percentage gains in 2024? They were asked to choose between XRP, Cardano, XLM, and Bitcoin slash Ethereum. 62% chose XRP, 14% Cardano, 12% XLM, and 10% Bitcoin slash Ethereum. Now, a little bit surprising that Cardano is actually above XLM on this list, but what's your initial reaction to this news? Well, I mean, our, our audience is very XRP-based bias, let's face it. So I'm not surprised I would have expected. That's exactly what I would have expected um, when you look at it. And the reality is, you know, XLM may have actually a higher probability because of its lower price right now to, to go up more. So I, I would have probably, I am surprised. That one's not higher, a little higher up on the list. BTC, we know, is only going to be a three, four, five X. So no surprise there that that's the lowest. The real question is going to be, you know, will XRP break its all-time high? According to that, our audience thinks it will. So we'll have to see. Johnny Crypto, we got some exciting news out of Merlin this weekend as well. And we got 526 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And in case you didn't see, the Bearable Bull put out an official message this weekend Get prepared and have an exit plan with Merlin, the smartest way to track your crypto. And this is his words, not mine, Johnny. He mandated people to create an exit plan. So I just got to repeat these quotes. It's just what I do here. But congratulations. We got about a minute left. Congratulations on the news. And how's everything going in the process of building Merlin? Yeah, it's been great, Abs. We're very happy to have the Bearable Bull as, as a partner, part of the uh, Merlin as well. I mean, he the cool thing about the Bearable Bull was he's been talking about exit plans forever. And the great thing about Merlin and why it's such a great partnership is he's got the exit plan. We got the tool. You put the two together and you got the best marriage in history. So we're super excited to have the bull uh, as part of that as well. And, uh, you know, obviously, if you haven't signed up for Merlin, though, I tell you, make sure you go get an exit plan. 30 days free. Yes, you got to put a valid credit card. We don't charge it for 30 days. You can cancel in the app. Very, very simple. One button. Boom. You're out. You don't have to get on the phone and try to figure it out. But more importantly, apps, we are what I'm excited about apps. We have over 1,600 people using it 
and we are helping people. The feedback we're getting is, Johnny, thank God for this. I'm now forced to think about how to create an exit strategy. I now have a way to get out there. It's changing the mind. We are helping people, and I know I'm out of time, so I'll stop right there. Give a shout out to th say thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you to Gonzo. Thank you to Cashflow. And thank you to the Italian Stallion himself. This week, we got Molly Elmore joining the show once again. That's going to be an exciting episode. We love you guys. Have an amazing day. And like we always say, Warriors, rise. Get the shit together, baby. Thank you.